Hey, welcome back. I want to start off today by thanking each and every one of you for tuning in to today's podcast. Uh, you know, if, if you haven't noticed, those of you that have followed me for some time, uh, the, the frequency in which I have been, you know, producing content is, is far less frequent than it has been in the past. Um, as I've said many times, hopefully that will change in the future, but I get busy. And the big thing that I've been busy with lately is this, this book that I've been working on, fictional, novel, um, something I think a lot of you guys will really enjoy and I'm getting closer and closer to publication. So I'll keep you guys in the loop on that and stay tuned for that. Um, today I want to take some time to talk about, uh, sort of the state of, of the silver and gold market, share some thoughts, four big points that I want to cover today on, on my thoughts on, on, you know, how to navigate this space, you know, past, you know, midway, the second half of 2021. And the one that I want to start off with now, now I always talk about this when it comes to precious metals, uh, they're, they're not in a vacuum, right? And I've never been the type to just focus on silver, just focus on gold, whether it's just their price action in the charts or see them as the sole asset any of us should be owning. I'm not really one to, to exclusively make videos on, let's say the newest, um, issue of, uh, of a certain coin from a mint or, or new, uh, bars or co- that's just not really my thing. I like to focus on precious metals in the context of the broader system, the markets as a whole, the economy, society, you know, politics, geopolitics, that gets sprinkled in as well. And, and that's really what I want to start off with here. Number one on this list is inflation and the inflation narrative. I think going forward into 2021, I think that this inflation narrative will continue to persist. Now, what I have noticed, and, and maybe maybe it's as a result of me taking in more sources, uh, taking in a lot of different opinions, maybe it's it's actually the case. But what I have seen in the past number of months is an increasing divergence in opinions schools of thought on, on where the economy is going and where markets, whether it's a stock market, precious metals, otherwise, where they're headed. And of course, a divergence in where inflation or lack thereof is heading in the future as well. More and more divergence, a lot of different thoughts, a lot of different opinions. Now, I think it's important to not confuse uh, a wide array and a lot of diversity in opinion with an actual change in, in the outcome. What I, what I mean by that mm-hmm. is if, you know, one year you have a 50-50 split inflation versus deflation and, and the next year you have uh, um, 10 different schools of thought on where it might go in the future instead of just a pure, simple inflation, deflation, more diversity, that doesn't necessarily change the fact of of where it's actually headed in terms of inflation, deflation, um, continue to rise in the stock market, uh, bull market for precious metals, whatever might be the case. Um, to some extent, you know, when, when you're dealing with, with consumers, when you're dealing with companies, you know, their inflation expectations or their expectations of, of economic growth or lack thereof in the future is going to influence their individual decisions. And, and I'm a big believer that the economy as a whole is, um, really the, the synthesis of, of millions of different individual choices and opinions. But, but I think once again, we shouldn't confuse diversity of thought with, um, an actual change in, you know, the probability of various outcomes. And I 
the point of what I'm saying here is that I continue to maintain the same view that I have for, for many, many months now is that inflation will continue to be persistent. Now, I think there's a, there's a certainly a high likelihood that in some assets, specifically the stock market, uh, maybe the bond market as well, that that inflation that we've seen in, in really assets, financial assets may not be as persistent. What I mean is, you know, correction, a correction in the stock market, in the bond market, in the real estate market. Um, I think that's, a, there's a very good, very good probability of that. Uh, whether it's on the basis of, of a slow tightening move by the Fed, which I believe is going to ultimately end in failure, but, but the markets are going to see it as, as a tightening move nonetheless, even though, you know, their tightening is going to be, you know, less money printing, not, not actual, uh, money destruction, not actual quantitative tightening as they've done in the past. It's still going to be viewed as, as such as tightening. Um, you have the treasury, uh, building up their balance quite significantly. I think that the headline number I saw yesterday, the day before was 500 billion. Um, th- that's their, that's their general account. Uh, essentially they're going to issue bonds to build up their cash balance by $500 billion over a certain time span. Um, that's a lot of dollars that is, that are going to be spent on those bonds that, that can be seen as, as liquidity being sapped out of the system. And so, you know, you can make a case for uh, maybe less inflation in assets, but inflation, what, what you and I care about more so inflation in things like, um, transportation, uh, housing, uh, healthcare, food, um, heating your home, electricity, gas, etc. I do believe that that's going to be continue to be pretty persistent. And, and obviously that, that's a huge part of the bull, uh, the bull thesis for, for precious metals is that they're going to thrive in a situation of, of, of inflation. You know, even thinking about, uh, the, the increased margins that I'm sure a lot of, of miners are experiencing, um, you know, since precious metals really cleared $20 an ounce or silver cleared $20 an ounce and have since, you know, been well above that, uh, those margins are going to begin to get, have already likely begun to be, you know, eaten away at, uh, by, by inflation, right? Um, higher cost of, of, uh, on, on labor at these mines, at these, uh, you know, for, for, for the people running the mines, essentially. I mean, you have increased wages across the board right now in the United States and, and that's going to affect miners. Um, especially if you see that inflation in other places. Uh, but, but even just inflation in the sense of, uh, all the other things that go into, to bringing silver out of the ground and refining it. A lot of that is, is going to be fuel, uh, energy of some sort, electricity diesel fuel, et cetera. Um, and, and then all the other aspects of, of that, uh, machinery, uh, cost to repair, um, cost for, for the land, uh, of which the, you know, the mineral rights are, are, are for, um, all of that. I mean, inflation eats away at those margins that a lot of these miners are likely experiencing. Um, so even that is, I think, pretty bullish for a continued rise in precious metals. And I think the inflation narrative is, maybe one of the biggest, one of the biggest, um, positive things that the precious metals has going for it. And, and that's, you know, 
whether it's my channel or podcast or a bunch of other ones, it might sound like a broken record because we're always talking inflation, inflation, inflation. But, but that's why it's because it's probably the most important aspect of the market in 2021 and going forward. Uh, number two, as, as we're kind of navigating these precious metals markets, I think the fundamentals that, that I and others have talked about are, are still very much intact. And, and what I mean fundamentals, a lot of what I'm referring to is, is economic fundamentals, which I sort of already covered, uh, especially in regards to inflation. But the other aspect of it is, is supply and demand. And the supply and demand fundamentals I still see as very much intact. There's nothing to suggest a rapid rise in supply coming to the market, especially for silver. Um, and, and, you know, if, if you look at the numbers from 2020, which was a, a poor year for production of silver, they were, um, you know, it, it was, it was a decrease and, and I don't, I don't expect a drastic increase in 2021. It, it will be an increase because, you know, there won't be as much of, of delays or, or altogether, you know, halting of, of mines and, and production of silver because of, COVID-19 and, and the pandemic, um, that's going to be much, much more limited in 2021. But, but I still don't foresee those numbers, um, you know, inching back towards where they were, let's say 2016, 2017, uh, in terms of, of yearly production numbers, you might see slightly more silver coming onto the market as, as scrap, but, but, you know, that's about it. Um, and then on the demand side, I mean, demand continues to be very strong. In fact, the uh, SRS Rocker report, Steve St. Angelo, he posted a, a graphic, uh, a picture, a graph over on Twitter. It's probably on his website too. Um, comparing, uh, U.S. mint, uh, silver eagle sales and Royal Canadian mint silver maple bar sales in the first half of 2020 relative to the first half of 2021. And hey, guess what? Silver eagle sales up 48% over that time span. Royal Canadian Mint Silver Maple Bar sales up 38%. And, and both of those, I think, are very good uh, benchmarks for demand in the silver space. They're only a fraction of the total investment demand. Um, even here in the West, you know, even stateside and, and uh, up north of the, you know, north of the border, um, they're still very good benchmarks. And already for, you know, U.S. Silver Eagle sales, the first half of 2020, we had a little over 12 and a half million ounces in the first half of 2021, uh, over 18 and a half million ounces. 48% difference. That's huge, right? And it's always been, you know, this, this story of yes, supply can decline you know, year after year in the silver market. Um, but, but without a significant rise in demand, you know, you have to ask how much is that going to influence the price in a big way? Well, that demand is here and it's been here for a while. 2020 was a pretty good year for silver demand and 2021 continues to be an even better year. And for good reason, you know, looking back at the fundamentals, uh, for, for silver, whether we're talking economic fundamentals, supply and demand, um, premiums, which I'll, I'll come back to here in a second, continue to be quite elevated in the precious metals market. And that's, um, I think a lot of people love to chalk that up to, uh, dealers, just, just jacking up the premiums, looking for a higher margin, higher profits. Uh, but no, I think, I think a big part of that does come back to the supply picture being very tight and very prone to, you know, the silver squeeze type thing that we've talked about quite a bit in the past. 
especially if we get a big run up in price and, and a lot of more, you know, enthusiasm in the precious metal space as if there wasn't, you know, already enough in, in 2021. Uh, number three on this list, uh, some food for thought. You know, if you're looking at the price of silver today, and I'll bring it up here just, just for reference because I don't have the exact price on, on the top of my mind, top of my head. Um, right now, we're looking at gold just under $1,800 an ounce, and, and silver is, uh, you know, between $23.5 and $24 an ounce. For those of you that have been in this space for some amount of time, uh, let's say from 2014 to 20. 19, let's say that time span. Uh, we, we were fortunate enough to experience very low, uh, prices in the silver market for a very long period of time. I'm talking sub $20. I'm talking sub $15. And additionally, we were fortunate enough to have very low premiums over that time span as well relative to where they're at now. I mean, you know, you, you could regularly find, uh, silver eagles even, you know, for around $2 over spot which was, you know, pretty good for silver eagles and, and a lot of other government coins for even less than that, you know, and, and, and nowadays I imagine I haven't looked a whole lot lately, but, but even generic silver bars, you're, you're going to struggle to find something like that in terms of premium. And, and so when you look at the price today, even though it's, it's lower than it was, um, you know, a couple months ago, uh, when, when, when silver, uh, was trading, you know, well above $25 an ounce, even if it's cheaper than that, $23, $24 an ounce for silver still may look expensive to some of you. And and certainly none of this should ever be taken as investment advice. And I'm not going to come on here and say, this is the time to buy, or, or you should buy at this level. That's not really ever been my thing. The food for thought that I want to offer up though, is that when you're thinking about an entry position, for those of you that maybe don't have a position in silver, or silver mining stocks or, or similar assets. This goes for that as well. Uh, or for those of you that are looking to accumulate, to add to your position at this level or a similar level, take into account your exit strategy. If you think about entering the market now or accumulating, adding to your position now at $23, $24 an ounce, take into account your exit position or your exit strategy. What I mean by that is $24 an ounce might seem pretty darn expensive to a lot of you, but what's your exit strategy? And everyone's going to be a little different on this, right? Some people have definitive price targets. Some people are working more with probabilities, but, but you know, if, if you're the type to say, well, there's a decent chance silver makes it to $50 an ounce, just a decent, maybe 30% chance, 40%. If you're of that opinion, then yeah, I mean, if you bought back in the teens, the low teens even, I could understand why looking at $23, $24 an ounce silver plus premium, a higher premium, might look expensive, right? You might be looking at an exit strategy or exit point of shy of $50 an ounce, right? But then on the other hand, there's a lot of people out there that are assigning a much higher probability to $50 silver and a similarly higher probability to 75, 80, hundred dollar, hundred plus dollar silver. I tend to fall in that camp. Um, where, you know, if you find yourself in that camp, you see $50 silver as, as all but inevitable and a hundred dollar silver as highly likely in the next 12 months, 
or 18 months or whatever your time span is. Well, again, that is going to make the, you know, today's price accumulating or entering into a position at today's price, um, look far more attractive. So again, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Like I said there, I personally sign up much higher probability to $100 silver, $100 plus silver, a very high probability to $50 silver in the next 12 months. Um, and, and so that skews my perspective on things. And, and if you are of a similar mind, take that into account when you're when you're looking at today's price. I mean, the other thing I'll say about today's mm-hmm. price is that, yeah, premium, I said I was going to loop back to it, premiums continue to be pretty high. And, and that should you know, be taken into account as well. You know, um, it makes it less attractive. I get that. And so, you know, always think of that as well when you're, when you're coming up with a game plan. I always think a game plan, game plan is a good idea to have not only a good strategy for entering or accumulating in the market, but also exiting. And you have to take that into account as well. High premiums are going to eat away at potential profits. Um, but again, if you're of the opinion that silver is going north of $100, then then certainly $100 silver is probably going to have uh, much, much higher premiums than what we have right now in today's market. The, the, the final thing I want to leave you guys with. You know, last week in the geopolitical space, uh, we were we were really inundated with headlines out of Afghanistan. And I hope it's not something that the media is going to forget quickly. This isn't a time for me necessarily to share my opinion and my thoughts on the geopolitics of, of the exit strategy for Afghanistan and whatnot. On one hand, I'm happy we're, we're leaving. On the other hand, I, I completely agree with others that, that have said the exit strategy was terrible. It was, it was short-sighted. It was dangerous for a lot of Americans and those that have been friendly to Americans. And, uh, well, there's plenty of blame to go around. And, and that's as much as I said I wasn't going to share my thoughts, but, but there are my thoughts in, in, in short. You know, I could elaborate, but I won't. What I do want to discuss with that though is that that was unexpected by money. Yes, a lot of military advisors did expect it and warned about it happening, but it wasn't unexpected by many. And it was also something that happened really fast. We've, we've seen that type of dynamic play out quite a bit in recent years. And maybe it's always been the case where there's certain, there's a saying, there's years where or maybe it's decades where, where nothing happens. And then there's weeks where decades happen, right? Where, where, Nothing seems to give, whether it's geopolitics, economics, etc., for for months, years, decades, and then it happens really quickly. A great example of it would be 2020 and and the pandemic. And and again, I'm not sharing my thoughts and all of that, but but what we do know is that the landscape of the U.S. economy and society changed drastically from February 15th to March 15th, and maybe even more from March 15th to April 15th. Right? That was fast. And part of it's the nature of a pandemic, but that was fast. And the same was true for Afghanistan. Been there for 20, almost 20 years now. And the Taliban took it back in a matter of weeks. And I think we need to keep that in mind. There's been plenty of other examples, economic, geopolitically, otherwise. We need to keep that in mind when we're looking at today's economy and today's markets 
don't discount the possibility, the risk, or the opportunities involved in a rapid and unexpected series of events. Don't discount the possibility of runaway inflation. Don't discount the possibility of major political upheaval and then how that affects the marketplace, political or geopolitical. Don't discount the possibility of a major collapse in equities. I don't care, you know, if the Fed is propping it up, um, uh, if, if there's the Powell put, that might be one of the most unexpected things to happen is a major drop. I'm talking not 20%, but like 40, 50, 60, 70% drop in the Dow or the S&P. Um, in, in a really rapid manner. Don't discount that, right? Don't discount the idea that this is as good as it gets in terms of the the economy. That, that's all downhill from here. Don't discount that the economy can take a, di- a turn for the worst in a matter of months and, and not years and years. You know, there's a lot of things. Don't discount the possibility of silver making a rapid move from 24 to to 44, you know, or 50. You know, those things happen all the time. And, and, you know, we, we could go, we, we could have a bigger discussion. I could go on and on about things like, you know, the, the fourth turning. I mean, that's, that's a theory that often you know, times gets applied to, uh, this time of, you know, the, the, these last few years, these few years going forward, um, that every, you know, 80 ish years, um, there's a big upheaval in, in society, uh, across the world, geopolitical upheaval, economic and otherwise, um, and certainly we're not at the end of that fourth turning if, if that's truly what's happening here. Um, you know, we could go on and on about those types of theories pertaining to 2021. I don't have the time for it right now, but, but the point of what I'm seeing here in terms of, of the markets, in terms of precious metals, in terms of inflation is just because, you know, you have all these really middle of the road opinions out there. Just because it seems unlikely that Powell would, for example, let the stock market collapse by 70% or allow inflation to reach 17% before, you know, taking it serious. Just because those things seem unlikely doesn't mean that they won't happen and doesn't mean that they won't happen rapidly. That's what I want to leave you with here today. As always, I'd like to hear your thoughts on today's podcast. Let me know down below in the comment section what you think. Um, as always, though, I'd like to thank every one of you for tuning in to today's podcast. I'd like to thank you from the bottom of my heart and God bless.